Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Let's Talk TEFL podcast. I'm Jackie, and joining me is Jennifer. Hi, Jennifer. Hi, Jackie. So today we're going to talk about our, um, I guess, oh, we have 11 tips, top 11 tips for English learners. <laughs> so I know that my students always ask me, how can I improve my English? And they're basically asking what they can do outside of the classroom to um, get better at English. So um, these are basically the tips that I give them. And um, I find it helpful to like kind of um, share these, even if students aren't necessarily asking, because um, I like to emphasize that a lot of um, language learning happens actually outside the classroom. And there's only actually so much I can do in two or three hours a week. And that's certainly not enough for anybody to become fluent in a language. So if students are serious about English, then they have to be serious about um, putting the time in outside the classroom as well. Yeah, I think maybe that could be um, our first tip or pre point five tip is uh, don't save it for the classroom. If you are only studying the language during class, you are end up you'll end up being one of those housewives that's like, yes, I've been studying English for 15 years and um, the sentence was not stated correctly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, know? it's true. I studied English for 15 years or something like that. Um, so, okay. So tip number one, consistency. Every day is best. So I know this is like a temptation of anyone studying anything to kind of cram last minute, but um you know, studying English for 10 or 12 hours a day for an entire week to prepare for the IELTS exam or the TOEFL exam or something like that is not that useful if you want like actual longer term results. So I tell students um, every day is best. Um, 20 or 30 minutes every day will definitely be enough time to get them some results. And if they want to study for more, I recommend study for like half an hour take a quick break, go for a walk, play a little like candy crush on your phone or whatever, and then come back for another 30 minutes after that, um, instead of powering through like hours and hours and hours. Yeah, I would agree that 20 or 30 minutes, even 15 minutes a day is better than five hours one day a week, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. you'll forget so much on the other six days. Yes, that is so true. And I'm sure um, the teachers that are listening already know this. Um, when you teach something the previous week, and then if you see the students only once a week, most of them will have forgotten pretty much everything <laughs> that you taught. So review is key, but that kind of applies to like learning outside the classroom too. It has to be fresh in students' minds for them to actually be able to retain it. So that's why I recommend um, studying every day. For sure. All right. Tip number two is extensive reading. So extensive reading is kind of all the rage, I guess, in the language teaching world. And Jennifer and I, we actually met at CoTESOL. I think it's called Korea TESOL now. It's kind of the professional development organization in Korea with conferences and um, international speakers and that kind of thing. And everyone talks about extensive reading is, is such a big thing. So Jennifer, did you ever have your students do extensive reading or? Oh, yes. Uh, what do you think about um, it? Yes, I had uh, reading time uh, when I was at the elementary school, uh, when I was teaching at an immersion school, uh, the students uh, had to choose a book of their liking and they could go to the English language library and uh, have a better selection if they wanted to. But uh, when they came into class until the first bell, they would read in English. 
Mm-hmm. And the key is kind of for students to choose a book that's slightly below their level um, that's of interest to them. So it's like you don't want students um, sitting there with a dictionary looking up every second or third word. Um, that will not, that is not extensive reading. So extensive reading is just, yeah, something that will be easy enough that students can just read for fun. Yeah, yeah. And I'll just add there the school that I was at the longest, we had um, novel reading like we would do uh, in the summer and winter, like uh, vacation sessions that we would have. They weren't really camps. Um, We would do uh, novel classes and we would read like a novel a week. And the school would really go insane. They would get books that were so far beyond the level of the Mm. students as like a way to impress the parents and push the students. But um, yeah, it was just kind of torture. Um, I want to say I read The Hobbit with like fourth graders. (laughs) Oh no, even um, fourth graders in Canada or the US might struggle (laughs) a little bit with that book. And in a week. (laughs) <laughs> mm. Well, that's quite challenging. So that is the opposite of extensive reading. <laughs> it's not our advice for you. That's like the worst, the worst example of trying to do something like that. Yes. And, and students need to have some agency in this um, freedom to choose. You can kind of curate the selection that students can choose from, but um, you have to let them have some choice in this for what yeah. they want to read if you're doing it in class. But I, I recommend also doing it outside of class to my students. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes that school really got it right. And they picked books that the students really liked. And they were like, the students were high enough level that it was fine. But sometimes I would just be like, have you read this book? And I think that was the problem mm-hmm. that they um, they were bilingual, but they were not well read, particularly mm-hmm. the people who were doing the choosing. Yes, definitely a problem sometimes. All right, let's move on to tip number three. So number three is to, I recommend that students have a language notebook. So um, this is where students can write um, new vocabulary or kind of grammatical constructions, anything they run across um, in English that is something new to them that they want to remember. Um, You know, if you learn something new and it's you don't practice it and don't review it, it's just kind of fuzzy. It's like fuzzy around the edges, like you kind of know it, but you don't really know it. But if you write it down and then review that notebook um, every week or two, those things will stay fresh in your mind. And that will go a long way towards actually remembering that new thing that you want to remember. Yeah. And I would even uh, go so far as to maybe show them examples of how to organize their language notebooks so it's not just page after page with like a list of words mm-hmm. you know show them you know that maybe they could do it alphabetically or they could at least have vocabulary in one part of the notebook and grammar in another part and you know that they need to have examples and that type of thing uh, to remember how to use it correctly in context mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. The next one, um, this might be a little bit controversial. Um, I'm not sure what Jennifer thinks about this. This is my tip. So it is to prepare for an exam, an English proficiency exam, like the IELTS, TOEFL, TOEIC, something like that. Um, Honestly, nothing motivates most people more than having to do an exam. And if there's a list of vocabulary words you want to learn, or grammatical constructions that you actually want to be like 100% solid in, 
Um, I personally find the most motivating thing for me is to have to write an exam in that. And I think it's the same for a lot of students. Um, but as far as like how much long-term learning actually happens out of that, I'm not sure. I think that's kind of where the negative part of that um, comes in. So what do you think, Jennifer? Is it a good, well, I is think, it a good tip? I think it depends on how the student is preparing for the exam. But I agree, particularly for students who are just kind of there because they have to learn English or there because they feel like they should learn English, but they don't really have any firm personal goals. I think it is motivating, even if it's kind of a fake goal. Mm. Yes, that's true. The people that don't actually care about English, um, it can be motivating because nobody likes to fail an exam or get like a very right. poor grade on, a, on an exam. So even the students who are not that motivated will often um, start studying and like do some work outside of class if they have to prepare for an exam, something like that. Yeah. And it's also um, motivating to see your scores go up um, if you're taking the same test again and again. Mm hmm. Yes, for sure. For sure. All right. The next one is um, similar to the second one, extensive reading, but this tip is extensive listening. So um, in this case, I would tell students to listen to like, for example, a podcast or a TV show, a movie, kids cartoon. Um, there's like a ton of things they can listen to. Um, but the key is to do it consistently every day and choosing something that's kind of like slightly below the level that they're at because you don't want students to like not understand 50% of what they're listening to. That's not actually the point. But if it's slightly below their level, they'll understand almost everything. And the best part about this is they'll recognize like words, vocabulary words that they're maybe learning. They'll be like, oh, that's that word. And they'll kind of see how all these words and how all the grammar is used in kind of a natural context and in, in a natural way. So think about how we learn language as a baby. Um, our parents are just whoever talks to us. And we just pick it up and then we start speaking. So that's kind of the theory behind this. If students listen a lot, they'll see how the language is used in a natural way. And then eventually we'll just hopefully be able to like speak and write um, more easily because of that kind of base they have in listening. Yeah. And I would say you left out my favorite way of extensive oh, listening, okay. which is music. Oh, perfect. Um, yeah. I, I think obviously having the tune, um, if it's music that you like um, anyway, then it's more motivating. But, you know, having the tune is helpful for memory and uh, it's just more fun, I think, to listen to music. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's enjoyable. Yeah, one of my friend's daughters got really into K-pop and she started uh, teaching herself Korean so she could understand the lyrics. Oh, definitely. That's like the motivation right there for sure. Something like that. If you actually like are interested in what you're listening to and you're motivated to like get better at English or Korean or whatever, so you can like understand that thing. That's amazing. Yeah. All right, Jennifer. So what is your uh, tip? What's the next one? Uh, the next one is to read aloud for pronunciation practice. Uh, a lot of people, myself included, feel quite uh, I don't want to say insecure, but uh, it's very anxiety uh, inducing to have to speak to other people when you don't feel uh, confident in your pronunciation or confident in your fluency. So it, a gentle way to get some of that speaking practice is just to read aloud strictly for pronunciation practice. 
So you can do it by yourself where nobody can hear you, but your mouth will sort of get the practice of making those sounds, especially the sounds that don't exist in your first language. Mm-hmm. And I recommend the students um, maybe can like tape themselves or record themselves. Um, and then they can like have a listen back and just kind of see, see, see what they sound like. And they can often pick up mistakes in their own, um, own speaking. It's possible for sure. Yes. Um, and I'll just go out of order with these because they can be reordered. Sure. Uh, my next one is English Central, which is a, a huge library of uh, videos and other resources that um, like the videos have uh, professionally created subtitles. So they're correct. Unlike some of the subtitles that you find on YouTube or whatever, and they are uh, timestamped. So you can easily move back and forth, but something else that they have that goes along with reading aloud is they have um, a function where students can record themselves speaking along with um, the material on English central. And it has like an AI listening bot that kind of grades their pronunciation to point out uh, where they need to focus their efforts. Oh, it's just like the um, karaoke rooms in Korea. They give you like a score (laughs) on your singing. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Love it. Love it. I didn't know that you could uh, do that on English Central. That's a really good tip. All right. So the next tip you have, Jennifer, is about goals and you're all about smart goals. So what is a smart goal? Yeah. So a smart goal is specific. So you want to make it as narrow as possible. Uh, I want to learn English is not a goal, um, but, you know, I want to be able to read, you know, an entire article in the newspaper in English every day and understand, uh, you know, the the gist of it or understand 95% of the vocabulary, whatever, as specific as you can get, uh, the better and measurable. So you have to sort of know whether you are improving and working towards your goal. And of course, whether or not you've gotten there attainable, it needs to be realistic. So um, yeah, you know, don't, don't say, you know, I want to have native level fluency a year from now that is uh, specific and, or fairly specific, I guess, and uh, measurable and time sensitive, which is the T, but uh, not, not particularly attainable, probably mm. uh, results driven. So it's, it's looking at, um, you know, what, what you're going to achieve. And finally, time sensitive, you need to have uh, a set time frame for when you want to achieve it, because if it's incredibly specific, that's great. But if you have until the end of time, uh, until the day you die to achieve it, then you'll probably put it off as long as possible. <laughs> yes, of course. Um, yeah, I mean, I would always like if students say, I want to improve my English, how can I improve? I would say, why? Why do you want to improve your English? And um, the advice that I give them would obviously look very different. Um, if they said, I want to improve my IELTS score as compared to like, I have a boyfriend from England and I want to communicate better with him or like, I really love um, American movies and I want to watch American movies without subtitles. So like all of those things have very different 
um, ways that that person would go about improving their English. So that's where something like smart goals come in. So students actually need to like think about why and how and all of those good things about how, yeah, they're going to get to where they want to be. Yeah. And of course, then um, once you have your specific goal and you have your, you know, your time frame, you need to think about breaking it down. Like, what do I need to do every day or every week to get a little bit closer? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sure. Um, moving on to some low effort tips. Oh, perfect. Good. This is <laughs> what I need for my language journey. <laughs> <laughs> um, change your settings on your devices in your apps, on social media, whatever, anything that you can change the language, change it to English. And um, since you are already uh, familiar with the things that you use every day, it's pretty low effort to have it in a different language, but you will get used to seeing those words. Like um, in Korea, I had obviously word in Korean and all the settings on my computer were in Korean. And so since I already knew where all that stuff was, you know, I knew where the save button was and, you know, whatever. So just seeing it every day in Korean was um, a pretty low effort way to remember that vocabulary. You know what? That actually really helped me. My office computers were always in Korean. And at first I was annoyed, but then later on, I just was like, oh, whatever. There's the thing for save or that's like print in Korean and it's like I just learned it like I, I subconsciously I guess almost I just like I forget it now because it's been years but yeah I did actually learn quite a number of like random vocabulary words through that for sure yeah um another one is to watch English videos uh, with English subtitles or um with no subtitles if possible but um just the main thing is watching English videos without native language subtitles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And uh, the final one, also pretty low effort, is follow the Word a Day accounts on Instagram or TikTok or whatever your favorite time-wasting social media of choice is. (laughs) There are lots of accounts out there. Uh, that just every day they either put out one word or they have like one infographic with like, there's a few that I follow on Instagram that every day they'll have like one thing and they'll have maybe, I don't know, anywhere from five to 10 related vocabulary words to go with that. So uh, pretty low effort. And obviously if you're not writing it down, if you're not practicing, if you're not using it, it will be easy come easy go. But if you just do that every day. It's, it takes three seconds to, to look at that slide. And it's just a tiny little bit of English input. Jennifer, are you there? I am. Can oh, you you're me? there. Okay. Yes, I can hear you. All right. So yeah, that kind of goes along with some other things that previously we've mentioned, like if you can do that every day, that's great. And then um, you could combine that with like the third tip that we mentioned, a language notebook. So write it down in your notebook and then review it. And then it'll be, um, yeah, even easier to remember with those words on there for sure. Yeah. All right. So we have another tip about language exchange. So there's a few different options for this. Um, what are they, Jennifer? Well, um, the first option obviously would be to find a native speaker and 
you teach them your first language and they teach you English. And there are so many online platforms that offer that either for free or for um, the ones that aren't free are like one-sided. So you have a native English speaker that you pay um, for half an hour or an hour, but you don't have to then exchange uh, your services. Mm. Um, the alternative is to practice with someone who has a different linguistic background from yourself. So if you want to do it face-to-face -face, or um, if you just can't find a native English speaker uh, for whatever reason, uh, if you have someone with a different linguistic background than your own and you really don't have the option of falling back on your own language, then you'll be forced to speak English together and kind of work through it together. The caveat there, of course, is uh, if you don't know what their English ability is, uh, you may be just the blind leading the blind. <laughs> yes, that is very true. <laughs> and um, going along with this is... Um, I find that like when I lived in Korea, the best um, English speakers were the ones that were that actually had English speaking friends. Um, and it yes. wasn't they didn't just have those friends for the purpose of practicing English. They actually had friends that they enjoyed hanging out with um, who spoke English. And um, yeah, so they just got a chance to like practice English every day with these people. And um, yeah, they were actually the best, usually the most confident in um, speaking English. Maybe they had those English speaking friends because they were already confident or maybe increased their confidence by practicing with their friends. I'm not entirely sure. But um, yeah, I would often encourage my students to like go to a language exchange or go to like the expat like hiking club or just find some way um, to find some people in your community that um, speak English as their first language and then go on a hike with them or like go do go to a restaurant and have like dinner with them or just whatever you want to do and um, it's just kind of a more casual way to like actually practice all of these things that you might be learning in a classroom or through a book or whatever. Yes, definitely. If um, you live in a non-English speaking country, then finding the expat like activity groups, you know, the five aside Sunday soccer group or hiking group, or, you know, I was in a, a weekly knitting group, you know, whatever, you can find people for any activity. And if you're in a big enough city, or if you're willing to travel, uh, you can find a group to hang out with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, for sure. All right. So we have one more tip. It's about learning words in context. So what does that mean, Jennifer? Well, this circles back to extensive reading and extensive listening, but also to the language notebook. Um, you need to have vocabulary. Obviously, if you don't have vocabulary, if you don't have grammar, um, then you really don't have anything. But if you are just learning one word at a time, if you find one word you don't know and you look it up in the dictionary and you write that one word down, um, that will only get you so far. Hmm. There are, um, you know, you can't just translate word for word for word from one language to another. And if you were learning one word at a time, that's kind of what you're doing. And so you may have all of the words technically correct, but you will not be speaking English if you just translate one word at a time. So if you 
try to learn words in context. Um, so that's why having examples in your language notebook that show how to use the word correctly is really important. That's why extensive reading and extensive listening are really important because it shows the words in context. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm all about a couple things. So I like, like recommending that students learn collocations. So collocations are words that occur together more frequently than just by random chance. So something like, how are you? It's a phrase that you commonly see together. So you wouldn't, if you're learning it, you wouldn't like learn how, and then are, and then you, you learn it together. How are you? And then um, you could say, yeah, I'm good. I'm okay. So you learn that together as a phrase. And that's like idioms as well. Phrasal verbs fall in, into that kind of category. Um, yeah. So I love to teach collocations um, as much as possible. And then I also, I almost never let my students speak in one word only. If they <laughs> say something like yes or no, or give me a one word answer, I will make them put it into a sentence like almost every single time um, just to kind of combat that like word for word. Um, thing and just um, yeah so I find that helpful I hope that's helpful for my students that I um, focus on both of those things in class and then I recommend that they do that outside of class as well yes uh, I'll just give like a fun little real life example uh, Britney Spears hit song hit me baby one more time the reason <laughs> yeah. that that sounds like that is her songwriters were not native English speakers and they didn't realize the phrase was hit me up Oh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> there you go. Your little love it. Love it. Weird random factoid for today. <laughs> yeah. So if they had learned collocations, hit me up, they would have not have written that song. Right. <laughs> sure. It would have been different. All right. So those are all of our tips um, that we give to our English learners, our students. So um, Jennifer, where can people find you online? Oh my goodness. Um, Teachtravellearn.com, which I will dust off at some point. I keep promising. <laughs> I feel like you promised a long time ago to do that. I know. I'm just so busy. <laughs> um, yeah. seeing, I'm seeing how dusty it can get before I, I do something with well, it. Well, it's going to be a happy surprise. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> um, also on uh, Teachers Pay Teachers. I'm also Teach Travel Learn and uh, YouTube Teach Travel Learn. And right. where can people find you, Jackie? Um, you can find me at eslspeaking.org or by searching Jackie Bolin, J-A-C-K-I-E Bolin, B-O-L-E-N. I'm in a lot of places. So TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, I have a YouTube channel that I'm putting up a ton of content on. So yeah, have a look in all those places, but you can find all those links on eslspeaking.org as well. And um, the podcast um, information page is at eslactivity.org slash podcast. You can check out all of our previous episodes there. All right. So I think that is everything. If you like this podcast, please tell your friends, please leave us a comment and say hello. And uh, yeah. Thank you.